This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When Sam decided to bring us back together, I was like, this is awesome. And also, I need to, like, prepare myself for the experience. So, yeah. Let me tell you, I don't think you guys should have any fears. Because it's like, you know, when the old band gets together, they still know the moves. Like, in sync, no matter how old they get, if they get on the same stage, they'll know the choreo to Bye Bye Bye. They'll always know it. Yeah, and I still know know the choreography to that song. (laughs) Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week, why we're in a labor shortage and what reopening feels like. All right, let's start the show. Hey, y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. And this episode, I am so happy to welcome back one of the most dynamic duos in public radio history. Uh, Small disclosure, one of them right now is not officially in the public radio family, but it still counts. Two of my favorites, Cardiff Garcia, Stacey Vanek-Smith. Hello, 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 hello. Hi, Sam. Sam. Nice to still be in your warm embrace. Very nice to see your face, Cardiff. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I recognize that closet (laughs) and that blanket. That's right, yeah. Oh, my God. There are, bar- there, there are dogs barking. Hold on. Give me one second. You hear them? Yeah. Oh, I love it. The <laughs> the perils of semi-live radio. Oh, yeah. You know, whatever it is we're doing. Right. Uh, <laughs> before we go too far, I, I want to say the last time we had Stacy and Cardiff together on this show, they both were co-hosts of the Daily Economics podcast from NPR, The Indicator. Um, since that last time, Cardiff has gone off to start a new venture, but he'll always be Indicator NPR family. I'm excited about it. Me too. There might be tears. <laughs> might be a little rusty, by the way. Oh, please. Might be a little oh, rusty. You'll be fine. It's been a couple You'll of months. You'll be fine. You know, I'm You'll lowering expectations because uh, I don't want to get crushed when I lose our next edition of uh, Who Said That? Because I feel you like won last time cheating, but you did win. I remember. Yo, wow, after, wow, yo, after yo. a long losing streak, and I just want to say, even if I do lose, it's been exhausting <laughs> at the top. Okay, I get nervous walking down the street. If everyone starts gawking, it'll cause like a traffic accident. Like, so if I lose, and really who said knows that? Pop culture. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I love how eager you both are to play. Who said that? Uh, because we also talk about the news as well. Who said that's going to come a little later with you two? But first, I do have to make the two of you economics reporters talk about the economy. That's the official business. Yes, let's start yeah. with that. I have some questions about the current state of our economy that are stumping me. And it's this weird juxtaposition in our economy right now. You know, we're living in this world, in this nation that's beginning to open up again. It seems like normal is returning. And all these employers are saying, we're back, we're back, we're back. But I see these reports of businesses having a hard time attracting workers, while at the same time, the unemployment rate is still pretty high. The official term for this is a labor shortage. I want to unpack it all. But first, define what this thing is and give me some numbers to put it in perspective. Uh, well, you're exactly right. and it That's is, what I like to hear. Thank you, Stacey. Happy you're exactly you. right, Sam. It is this mystery. It is a true mystery. And it comes back to the very, very fundamentals of economics, supply and demand, right? 
There is a huge supply of people who need jobs. Millions and millions of people are unemployed right now. And and by the way, we are not like creating jobs in this economy as fast as we were hoping. Like it's pretty grim. At the same time, as you have all these millions of unemployed people, strangely, you have all these employers saying that they cannot get people to fill their jobs. You've got places like Dunkin' Donuts offering like $300 signing bonuses. Really? McDonald's in Florida offered a signing bonus. I talked to a guy who runs a casino, the Hard Rock Casino in Cleveland. He was offering dealers $4,000 signing bonuses. There's just like a terrible staffing shortage all across the country. And if you look at it on its face, it just doesn't make sense. So, Cardiff, have you ever seen anything like this in the American economy? It's so weird to me. No, not not in our lifetime. And and I thought that was beautifully articulated by Stacy. There's this really weird disconnect happening where if you just look at total employment, how many people have jobs, there's about 8 million fewer people in the country that have jobs then had them before the pandemic actually started, right? Then the peak before the pandemic. That's a lot of people, right? There also happen to be about 8 million job openings in the economy right now. Okay, so I'm just a simple man, (laughs) but uh, couldn't the 8 million just go into the 8 million jobs and then we're good? Solved, done, no problem. Back to pre-pandemic levels of employment. So so that to me sort of captures the mystery that Stacey was describing. Like, why are they not sort of lining up, you know? And, And so that's the thing that I think economists are studying and which right now we can talk about possible reasons, but I don't think we've quite nailed it just yet. So we, through the magic of radio pre-production, had both of you kind of outline three big reasons that might kind of explain this labor shortage. And I want us to tick through the three, if that's okay. Um, One is this continued unemployment extra stuff and stimulus check thing. Two is just childcare issues. And then three is like coronavirus fears, which are still lingering. Can we unpack those three in whatever order you choose? Well, I think the one that has struck me from the beginning of the pandemic is the child care issue. So many women dropped out of the workforce, more so than men. And in fact, right now, men with young children are more likely to have a job than your average man. And women... Wait, really? Yeah, I think because wow. maybe there's like extra motivation. You know, they've got young kids, they're trying to bring in extra income, whereas women with young children are less likely than your average woman to be in the workforce. And I think there's there's a danger here that we're going to lose a lot of progress from women in the workforce, I think, because there's also this effect called scarring. So when women are out of the workforce, even for like a year or two, like your skills get a little rusty. There's a gap in your resume that looks like a red flag to employers potentially. You know, you lose that momentum. And so people come back in at lower salaries, at lower positions. It can really make a huge setback in your career that reverberates for years. So that's the first big reason, childcare issues. Cardiff, unpack the second reason, which has gotten really, really political these last few weeks. Mm -hmm. This is the continued extra unemployment checks that lots of folks are getting from the federal government. Yeah. More than 20 Republican governors are saying they're going to stop taking these extra unemployment benefits for their state's residents because they want folks to get back to work. What's up with that? How big of a deal is this? I have a pretty aggressive take on this, actually. Um, and That's what I want to hear. <laughs> well, what I would say is this. You know, economists are still debating the extent to which, if at all, 
these added benefits uh, are disincentivizing people from going back to work, from accepting jobs right now because they're getting a little bit of extra help for the government. So first of all, let's keep in mind that these added benefits are already set to expire in September. And the main point I would make is that even the studies finding that there is some disincentivizing effect are showing that that effect is really quite small, that it's not a big one. And also, I I hate the way this debate is often framed as like this binary thing of like, you know, people are just living off the dole or they're trying to get back to work. Like, this is ridiculous. We're talking about human beings. And specifically, we're talking about a population of people that's been jobless, in some cases for quite some time. And they're, you know, thinking about how they're going to reenter the labor force. I would actually set aside like my economics data driven demeanor or whatever for a second and just ask like, can we give people a break? Like, is it okay for people to catch a break? What's wrong with catching a break for just a few more months while people try to figure out what arrangements they have to make to re-enter the labor market? I like that. People have different needs, different wants. It changes over time, which leads me to the third point that might explain this labor shortage. And it is kind of an emotional thing. Fear of going back to work because of the coronavirus still kind of being around. A lot of these unfilled jobs are concentrated in food service jobs and service industry jobs uh, where those employees have a lot of potential exposure to coronavirus. But also what's true for those kind of employees is that their wages are usually very low. How much of those jobs not being filled right now is folks that would go into those jobs saying, the pay was too low before the pandemic. It needs to be higher now. And I'll wait. Yeah, it's a great question. And so if you look at service sector wages, they're actually doing okay. They're growing about how they were growing before the pandemic even hit. But that doesn't mean that raising those wages even more would not you know, have an effect because it's not like those were the highest paying jobs in the economy before the pandemic. They absolutely were not. A lot of those jobs were low wage jobs. You know, jobs in leisure and hospitality in particular, bars, restaurants, hotels, that's where there remains a huge shortfall of people hired relative to before the pandemic. And those jobs are all like, you know, person facing essentially. And so I I think, you know, it's hard to quantify just how many jobs have not been filled because of fear of the virus, but it would be weird. It would strain credulity to think that that's not having like a pretty significant effect right now. Yeah. I want to bring up a thing that some people are speculating might happen. We're seeing employers start to increase wages to get folks back into the job market. And some are saying this might lead to inflation. What are the chances of that? Should we worry about that? And what does that look and feel like if it happens? Um, Well, I do worry about inflation. So another way to define inflation is just too much money chasing too few goods. And I worry about mm. this gap, right? I mean, for some people, the pandemic has been financially, economically quite lucrative. Like certain companies and certain people, you know, it's like it's been a time of like wealth accumulation and spending. And and then you've got people on the other part of the economy who are really struggling. And I'm afraid that prices will go up. I mean, the shortages, um, there's this really interesting idea in economics that shortages are actually inflation because, 
it means that there's too much money chasing too few goods in an economy and and the overheating can happen. I mean, we're either going to leave a mm. giant chunk of our population, millions of people in just a terrible and like uh, unconscionable situation. Uh, but there, I also think there is a risk at overheating the economy. Our money starts losing its value. Prices start going up. I mean, that's hard on everybody, too. Uh, I'm freaked out about it. I was okay. always, like, way more paranoid about inflation than Cardiff was. This is okay. a discussion we've been having since the housing market. <laughs> I mean, we did have that. This was a big discussion back in, like, the days of quantitative easing and the housing crisis. Everyone was like, all this government spending is going to lead to I inflation. I have not heard quantitative easing in a long I know, time. I that's a that deep out. cut right there. Yeah. Deep cut. Deep cut. But anyway, I mean, and that inflation never yeah. Happens. So we'll see. We don't I am know worried yet. about it. I mean, prices are going up and the shortages. Yeah. Time know. will tell. Time yeah. will tell. Sam, you got to invite us back on in six months and then we'll have uh, a better answer for it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we can settle it. I'll then. be drinking my $10 Starbucks coffee. <laughs> on that note, uh, Stacy Cardiff, thank you both so much for, as always, making the economy make sense to me. Uh, I want you both to stick around for a little bit because when we come back, there's going to be a, a re showdown. Of the two Uh-oh. of you playing Who Said That? Who Said That? <laughs> this message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore. Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel. Viore makes products that stand the test of time and hope to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives, empowering your best life in clothing that can be worn for just about any activity from running to yoga. Visit viore.com slash NPR to receive 20% off your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. What happens after a police officer shoots someone who's unarmed? For decades in California, internal affairs investigations, how the police police themselves, were secret. Until now. Listen to On Our Watch, a podcast from NPR and KQED. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders, joined this week by, I gotta say, full disclosure, two of my favorite guests on the show ever of all time, every time they're here. Yes, a most dynamic duo, Stacey Vanek-Smith and Cardiff Garcia. Stacey is the host of NPR's The Indicator podcast. Cardiff, I want you to tell folks what your new title or current title should be. Yeah, so the the new business uh, is called Bizarre Audio, and that's bizarre like the marketplace, not not like strange. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to be launching uh, a couple of original podcasts uh, later later this year. Um, yeah, it's exciting, but also as I said before, you know, a little bit bittersweet because uh, I don't get to hang out with Stacy every day anymore, which is a bit of a bummer. But yeah, although right now you two are hanging out. I know. <laughs> Uh, well, it is time to play my favorite game, Who Said That? Ooh, Who said that? Who said that? The Who two of you, Stacey and Cardiff, have played this game against each other a few times, and I want to oh. say y'all have been keeping score. Who's up right now? 
Cardiff. No, I only <laughs> won the last one. I think you're up for the series. I only won the most recent one. I don't think and it was I'm a up huge for the series. Fluke. I think you always underhandedly win. It's very unfair. <laughs> underhandedly. Underhandedly. My goodness. <laughs> Well, the game is quite simple. I share a quote from the week of news. You got to tell me who said that or what story we're talking about. Let's just get to it. Here is the first quote. Tell me who said it. The New York Post has a story on peacocks today and say I have 16 on my farm. I actually have 21 of these glorious birds whose house is impeccable. They do not smell. They are so clean. Their voices are loud, but such fun to hear. They are so friendly. Who said that? This is somebody who owns It's got to be a New Yorker. It's got to be a New Yorker, right? Because who else reads the post? <laughs> this is a quintessential home improvement guru. Oh, oh is it? A... Um, what's the, that couple? Wait, is it Martha Stewart? It's... Yes. Yes. It's Martha Stewart. Wow. One nothing, just like that. Yeah. I have like a list of people that I, I was just going to say no matter what the quote was, what I didn't know. I was going to say like it's Mark Hamill or Kanye West or something like that. <laughs> You should have like a list of like people <laughs> yeah. in the news and just say them really fast. Yeah, and hope it yes. hits. Yes, <laughs> yes. So the latest occurrence of fake news occurred in the New York Post a few days ago all about Martha Stewart's peacocks. I guess they said she has 16 and it's kind of a mess and they're nasty. She said, in fact, I got 21 and uh, the house is clean. Um, I got to say, whatever Martha Stewart does, I love it. I just do. I feel like both are possibly true. Like, both peacocks are messy and terrible, and the peacocks in Martha Stewart's house are perfectly clean. Don't oh, you yeah. think those two yeah, things because who's going to mess up Martha Stewart's house? I'd be right. afraid to. No. The peacocks probably are like, they, like, heal in the house. They're like, you know what? <laughs> this is a really good gig. Don't mess it up. Or she's got people running around behind the messy, terrible peacocks, mm-hmm. like, silencing them and picking up their mess. Yeah. Maybe the peacocks appreciate the aesthetics, you know? Yeah. They like the vibes. It's soothing. They just want to chill. Also, if anyone could house train peacocks, it's Martha Stewart. It's Martha Stewart. I mean. It's Martha Stewart. Yeah. Uh, Who got that point? Oh, Stacey, you got that point. Yeah. Up one nothing. Stacey, you got that point. This is back to normal, I think, after the anomaly Uh of the last time. You're being very gracious, Cardiff, (laughs) and you're making me feel bad. This next (laughs) quote is a fill in the blank. Uh, Tell me what should be in the blank. Here we go. A sexually transmissible fungus that turns blanks into hyper pansexual zombie super spreaders and makes their butts fall off is playing havoc with millions. A hyper, can you say it one more time? Can we, hear the, can we hear the, the yeah. thing again? A sexually transmissible fungus that turns blanks into hyper pansexual zombies. Yes. Yes. Is it cicadas? How did you know that? <laughs> there are like sexy zombie cicadas wandering around? <laughs> yeah. Cicadas. You didn't see yeah. this? You say cicadas. cicadas. I say cicadas. cicadas. Is, that, is that? I don't know. <laughs> so Cardiff got this one. Um, This is one of the weirder stories I've seen in a long time. We all know or we've seen headlines that there are... A ton of cicadas plaguing the Washington, D.C. metro area. They've been, like, hibernating for 17 years. Now they're coming out to, like, mate and then die. So it's just, Speaking like, cicadas ben all Ben Affleck and, and, and J-Lo were together right when they went underground, and they're together again. It's like they never mm, broke up. You're right. Wait. 
the Benefer timeline lines up with the Cicada timeline. That's there's Stacy. My mind is blown. That's not. That, there's no way that's a coincidence. And I think the fungus might be in there, like the, the zombie butt fungus. I think that's like somehow tied in. It's also in J-Lo and Benefer. Oh, my God. I believe it. So all these cicadas are, like, coming out, rearing their heads again. But this week, some scientists say these cicadas are, like, dealing with a weird STD or sexually transmissible fungus. And the fungus makes them all super sex-crazed, uh, but it also makes their butts fall off and makes them want to mate with anybody and it's just weird it's well, really they, weird it's like they've been in pandemic for 17 years of course they want to mate with anybody do you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah yeah been, the like, cicadas course, are us can i say the that cicadas oh my are God. Us. We're yeah. all, like, out of our apartments they, like you yeah and plus like they know their you know lifespan once they get above ground is pretty short anyway so if they catch so a sexually well transmissible fun. fungus who cares that ain't nothing the cicadas yeah. are basically like we're here <laughs> Okay, what's the phrase that they say? Not here for a long time, but here for a good time? Here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. It's like YOLO cicadas. (laughs) YOLO cicadas. Woo. Uh, okay, who got that one? That was Cardiff. Cardiff man. got that. Uh, Badly pronounced, but yes, we are tied. This is also a fill in the blank, our last quote. Uh, it's wow, it's it's really hitting me in the heart more than I thought it would. Here's the quote The end is finally near for blank. One of Microsoft's most reviled products that refused to die. What product? Bill Gates. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right? The whole Melinda Bill Gates thing came out, and he's been hanging out with Epstein. And I just, I thought those crazy kids would make it. They seemed like the sane billionaires. I don't know. I was very sad. I have an answer that I think might be. Is it it, Belinda? It's a product, right? The question is, is a Microsoft product, product, right? Okay. They're yes. also uh, a product. Did Microsoft <laughs> yes. make Zunes? Are Zunes still around? Zunes are gone. This Zunes is one gone. that still shows up on your work computer and you don't want to use it. Oh, and my it's God. Always like, would you, Clippy? Would you want to make Clippy? this your default? Bra- I miss Ooh. Clippy. No. no. Here's a hint it's not, phrase. It can't be Outlook, right? Would, no. Outlook? Here, I'm going to give y'all my a hint. My whole life is okay. controlled by okay. Outlook. Okay, 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 okay. I'm going to give y'all a hint. Would you like to make this your default browser? Bing? Oh, Oh, it's a, it's um. What is a default Microsoft time? Internet browser? Oh, oh Explorer. Oh, yes. Oh. Okay. Yes, Internet Explorer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was so much Took drama. Took us a while, but we got and I there. Lost again. I know. Yeah. Shh, it's okay. Oh yeah, it's that okay. was a tough Believe one. in yourself. So this week, Microsoft announced that they're going to finally put Internet Explorer out of its misery. The browser is going away. It used to be the most popular web browser. And now it's only used by 5% of Internet users. Um, sorry, Microsoft Internet Explorer. I will not miss you at all. <laughs> and I feel bad for throwing shade yeah. at Bill Gates. I Unnecessarily. Mean, I don't. He'll be fine. I, me neither. Yeah. He'll, be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Hey, Sam, uh, I thought I might spring a surprise on you since you're always grilling Stacy and me. I brought a little who said that for you. Yes. All right. Oh my what? God. So you. Oh my God. That's right. My, okay, I'm going to give you a okay. hint, Sam. The answer might be Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that in. <laughs> Definitely not this one. Uh-huh. Definitely not for this one. Uh-huh. Uh, so here's the quote, and just tell us who said that. Okay. It is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Oh. I said I said that to my therapist. <laughs> I was going to say Dr. Fauci, but then I thought no. <laughs> Uh, it is a very famous singer uh, who was profiled this week in the New York Times, which is where I found the quote. Aesop Rocky, no. Demi Lovato, no. 
Uh, Billie Eilish. Nope. Lord. Taylor uh, Swift. Think, Beyonce. Think, Mariah Carey. Think a few decades ago. Here's the here's the hint that I think will give it to you. Once got in a lot of trouble for tearing up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live. Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor is talking to the press. That's the one. So essentially, Sinead O'Connor was profiled in the New York Times. But what makes that quote fascinating is that she left it as a comment underneath the article that was written about her. It wasn't in the article itself. Yeah. I love her ID gaff energy. She's got it. Fiona <laughs> Apple's got it. They're just like, I don't care about none of y'all. I'm speaking my truth. How did you flip the tables on who said that, Cardiff? <laughs> because because it's so <laughs> nerve wracking. I was like, Sam needs to feel <laughs> He's this. not held to any standards of employment. He is his own boss. Oh, he that's does what true. He wants. He's the CEO. Cardiff Unleashed. <laughs> right. Cardiff I love exactly. it. Exactly. It's the co-founder. Is the in CEO him. of Who Said That because he wanted this. That's week. right. Sorry, oh, yes. Breaking things everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I want to thank you both for being here. I'm so happy to have been part of a Stacy and Cardiff reunion. Um, it's always a good time talking with y'all, friends. Please come back soon, okay? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. Coming up, we're going to get personal with the recovery. We heard from a lot of listeners about how they are slowly reemerging back into some kind of normal life. We'll hear from you all about that. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community. My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer. To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. As you heard earlier in the show, our economy is trying to get back to some kind of normal, but it's a weird and sometimes slow process. But bit by bit, it is happening. 
And I know I am feeling the same way. Bit by bit, it's happening. There are signs of life all around us right now. More of us are vaccinated. Masks are coming off. People are ready to maybe start life in the aftertimes. So in that bit by bit, it's happening spirit. For this next segment, we wanted to ask you what it's been like to start making this return to some kind of normal. We heard from a lot of you. In Hibbing, Minnesota, the high school drama department just opened their first live in-person musical, Peter and the Starcatcher. And they sent us audio of their backstage warm-up. Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, pass the Pepsi, please. Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, pass the Pepsi, please. Dr. Pepper, Coca-Cola, pass the Pepsi, please. I'm recording this in the Charleston airport while I'm waiting for my friend to arrive from Atlanta and just drinking a beer. My boyfriend and I live together, so I think this is the first time we're apart for more than a few hours for over 10 months. So Iris was feeling kind of weird to be on her own. And Leslie got to see her parents for the first time in a year and a half. And tonight, my dad is cooking his famous spicy noodles, a recipe he's been doing since he was an international grad student. And all the Korean grad students would play poker once a week and make this dish at 2 in the morning. So we're very excited about it. You know, one of the first things I did post two weeks after the second shot is eat inside of a restaurant. And I milked every second of it. I had them explain the whole menu to me. I even let them talk me through the wine list. I don't care about wine. They eventually had to kick me out of that restaurant because I'd hit my 90 minutes. But it was the best eviction. Anywho... It's been a minute. Producer Sylvie Douglas spent some time looking for other signs of life out in the real world, and she found a few stories to share. First up, she's going to share a thing that she did for the first time in a very long time. Welcome to the armory. Keep following the dots, and we're all going to have a fantastic, spectacular dance extravaganza. And with that, what's your last name? Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-I-S. Sylvie. Yep, that's me. Amazing Sylvie. I have missed dancing so much this year. And last month, I found the closest thing to a dance party I could find mid-pandemic. An event billed as a new interactive and experiential movement piece. Welcome, vibrating pawns. The circle you are in and the spotlight are yours for the next hour while we dance together. This was a socially distanced dance party, and it was created by choreographer Stephen Hodgett, set designer Christine Jones, and David Byrne of The Talking Heads. About 100 of us were temperature checked, then rapid tested for COVID-19. Then we were ushered onto the dance floor at the Park Avenue Armory, a building the length and width of a city block. Wow. Okay, so we're walking into this huge room that has a bunch of lights, and everyone is getting in their own little bubble. There's green and red and pink and yellow bubbles on the ground. We were spaced out in circles 12 feet apart. And when you looked out across this enormous hall, you could see rows and rows of little silhouettes of people in the distance, masked up and ready to dance. Hi, I'm David Byrne. Thank you for coming. Okay, you can dance once this all gets going. There's no right way to do this. There's no wrong way to do this. Anything is okay. Let's start by warming up a little bit with a neck roll. 
Roll your head in a clockwise direction. I thought for a moment back to all the Zoom exercise classes I'd taken over the past year, standing in a tiny corner of my apartment and just trying to relax. It's easy. Everybody can do this. Now we're going to add a move. You know it. The hand sanitizer. A lot of the dance moves were over the top, kind of theatrical, like being in an avant-garde boy band. I felt a little silly flicking imaginary hand sanitizer on the people 12 feet away from me. But my self-consciousness fell away at one moment. Now go to the edge of your circle. That's it. Something about walking backwards around my own designated dancing circle and seeing dozens of other people do the same was so absurd, I laughed out loud. And then I leaned in with full abandon. It wasn't the same as dancing pre-pandemic at a bar, or at a wedding, or at a Zumba class, but the energy was there. I am going on the first date in like forever, Saturday. I'm nervous because I haven't met a new person in a long time, but it's also just so exciting and the flowers are blooming and it's like, who cares? <laughs> like, you know, it could be a terrible date and I think I'd still be really happy. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a terrible date, but yeah. <laughs> so we're going to meet up in Annapolis. She's going to show me around. You know, I, I want to make sure I have a nice outfit and I want to make sure... I've washed my hair, that I smell good, and leave early and stuff, all in preparation for it to go well. I'm just waiting for Saturday. And I feel like I'm almost not nervous because it doesn't feel real. Hey, this is Zach Kahn recording the follow-up about the date. It was really fun. It was a beautiful day out, and it was a Saturday. It was interesting because we're in similar positions, um, because we're both living with our parents, which is just funny because even though we're, like, a good bit into our 20s, it's (laughs) almost high schoolish of figuring out places. Um, But it was great. I don't know. We walked around for, like, seven hours and talked. We're meeting up again next weekend. And, yeah, the pandemic is still on, but... I can handle this, which is good. (laughs) Hi, Sylvia again. I went to visit my grandmother recently. She lives in an apartment building for seniors. And during the pandemic, all the socializing and all the regular events shut down. But last week, things were picking up. Sherry, weren't you one of the ones that used to play rummy care with us? Catherine. Yeah. Vivian was trying to get a foursome, and I couldn't remember your name. I said she used to play with us. I came down to play Rummy Cube. In Vivian's group? Yes. Okay, well, I'm glad. Here's Vivian. 
Hi. She was the one I was trying to remember. Sherry, yes. Sherry. I don't even know if I know how to play. I can't remember. I thought maybe you would. It will all come back to you. Yeah, I'm sure. We, we have another person. Where's Sterling? I left a message. No, Sterling's always late. How often did you guys play before the pandemic? We used to play every night. Every night we were here playing. And it was just part of us, you know? There was a woman from Venezuela, and she loved the game. I mean, she died, and she left her set. And she left it to me. When I go, it's, it's going to be here. I mean, it's going to stay here. Hello there. All right, who knows how to play Remy Cube? Because we have to. Sherry's going to teach us. Sherry, so what are we. 14, we need 14. 14, you have to have. And you put them all the same color. Yeah, okay. This way. Yes, stand it up. Is this a nine or a six? I think it's a six. That's a six. Well, I've just been Zooming with my, my sister. Had her 90th birthday today. And she has seven children. And everybody was on. We were all, everybody was Zooming. And everybody was talking at the same time. It was, well, Zooming is not my greatest thing. Oh, no, I Zoom now. I Zoom for the exercise. I don't. What's this one? Is this a special one? That's a, yeah, that's the one that, yeah, that's It's very nice. That's yeah. anything. So this it's, game has really been like over a year oh, in the making. Since March. It's the, the, the fact that we had no social outlet is terrible. Awful. You Isolated. don't realize it. You know, when you're oh. older, you need it. This thing has just thrown everything off. Um, we're just getting back to normalcy now. It is so wonderful. My daughter said to me tonight, Mom, you're sounding like you're, like you're happy again. I met another resident and I said, I don't know why, I just feel like crying. You see, the busyness is what will energize me. Even if I'm tired, I push myself out. I get that walk in the afternoon after lunch because there's people around, and we sit in the sun somewhere, we find a good spot, it's been very windy, and we make the most of it. Very good, Shirley. When'd you put this? She put the 11. Perfect. Oh, good. She's doing well. You're all doing well except me. No, you're doing fine. How does it feel? It feels great. Flexing an old muscle, huh? That's right. Feels good, doesn't it? I pass. Like old times. Very good. And she, the game's over. Beautiful, Sherry. I'm proud of you. Very nice. I'm Sherry, I can't tell you, you how great it is to see you. What? And I hope I see you. And I'm so glad I finally remember your name. She used to eat and with I have that painting that you gave me, that you made. Remember when you came for coffee one time? You brought me a painting. I enjoyed playing with you, lady. We'll have many more times together. Tuesday night is Rummy Q night. Okay. Seven o'clock. Remember that. After I recorded with the group, Shirley passed away. 
Her son told me, quote, My mother was sustained during this difficult year through her friendships, and she was fortunate to see some of those friends again, face to face before she died. A most sincere thanks to everyone in this segment who shared their stories with the show. It has been a rough year, but it feels like we're turning a corner and there are brighter days ahead. Sylvie Douglas produced that segment. Thank you, Sylvie. This week, It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West, Andrea Gutierrez, Sylvie Douglas, and Liam McBain. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. We had engineering support this week from Neil Rauch and Brian Jarbo. Special thanks to Megan Kane, Bridget DeChagas, Caroline Dries, Josh Balber, Joseph Fridman, Iris Namark, Zach Kahn, Katie Schnack, Christy Berry, Leslie Beckett, Megan Reynolds, Chuck Goldstone, and Sherry, Vivian, Catherine, and Shirley. Our director of programming is Steve Nelson, and our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grundman. All right, listeners, till next time, keep smiling, keep finding those signs of life. I'm Sam Sanders. We will talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.